You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined by the Bayou Benders, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Coming off of another absolutely dismal <laughs> game against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, our last episode was pretty fucking negative. So we're going to, we're you know, I think we've said what we need to say. Um, we're recording this on the Wednesday. Unfortunately, we play Edmonton at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I really don't feel like trying to record an episode at 1 possibly 1 30 in the morning so here we are pre-game and uh, i'm excited to talk some more haps and just nhl related stuff with you today bud yeah uh because there's not much to talk about the habs other than a four fucking four one loss uh, but no uh thanks to robin leonard we do have some extra stuff to talk about today but i'm doing all right uh we we chatted before this and you said it felt like it's been a long time since our last episode and it feels the same down here it feels like it was at least a week ago and not two, three days. Um, and then I was like, damn, did I really miss anything in between? And I really didn't. There's, there was, there was nothing, there was nothing to do. Um, but talk about this, uh, this shitty game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like we can say what we want to say. Nothing's, finally... nothing's more aggravating than uh, holding a one, a one, nothing lead to the end to just to just know it's oh but happen. you knew you knew right away mm-hmm. we weren't gonna win that game uh to know despite popular twitter belief frustrated the fuck out of mcdavid again played really well uh jake allen phenomenal again the scoreline doesn't reflect that but truly when does it when jake allen's in that i think he's just been amazing for us this season um, and to top it off, we lose our starter. 
Carey Price gets uh, possibly the weirdest concussion I've ever seen. Um, Alex Chason kind of bumps his head in the crease, finishes the rest of the period, and then just he's gone. And he's out for a week. Yep. Uh, so, Placed on concussion protocol at least one week. Yeah, so Montreal's called up Caden Primo, which is exciting, I would say. Um, I doubt we're going to see him because, as mentioned last week, Ducharme and Bergevin run the most stale organization in the league, and they would rather Jake Allen die of fatigue than give their young guys a chance in the limelight. So I doubt we're going to see him, but, you know, possibly. Maybe Allen lets in six tonight and we get to see Primo for the third. Uh, unfortunately, it means we can't call up Caulfield because Primo's cap hit is $100,000 too, too expensive. However, if we switch him out at some point with Lindgren, we can use the emergency call up on Lindgren and still call up Cole Caulfield later in the season. So we'll have to see what happens there. And moving on to some more lineup talk, um, just before we kind of get into our big topic today. Uh, Montreal is coming out projected lines. So, you know, you could listen to this. You've watched the game and these are totally wrong. Uh, Tatar, Dano, Anderson on the top line. Toffoli, Suzuki, Armia on the second. Lekkanen, Kotkaniemi, and Byron on the third. Once again, we see KK and what just seems to be a staple of Ducharme and Julian this year. Uh, plays a phenomenal game, has just offensively looked brilliant in terms of his passing and his hockey IQ, his heads up plays, you know, great puck position. I think KK's just played some phenomenal hockey lately. And what does he get rewarded for that? He gets two wingers who cannot finish to save their lives. The Finnish winger with no finish, Arturi Lekkanen, as much as I love him, is not someone who's going to bury the puck every time you give it to him, unfortunately. And to top it all off, we've got Druen, Stahl, and Perry on the fourth. Now, the KK thing is infuriating, but it's not really big news. This is big news, and I want to know what you think of Druen on the fourth. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, I think he deserves a higher spot, especially um, since he's been playing. This has been one of the most fun years to watch Jonathan Druen. Um it would be an incredible line six years ago, four years ago, you know, um, but all dropped all the way to fourth. I, I just don't know. I know that Corey Perry can be, you know, the worm. He can, he could find plays and, and stall his, has proven himself that, you know, he's still got it, but against the Oilers, I just don't see this. I think this is a, we're not utilizing our tools the best that we can. You, uh, you want to know how I see it? I think this is Drew N getting punished for his comments that he made to the media the other day. And for those of our listeners who didn't hear or didn't pay attention, don't watch TSN. I don't blame you. TSN. I don't have TSN, so I have no idea. Yeah, kind of, kind of shitty lately. But uh, basically, media asked Weber um, about his play personally. Weber responded with, I don't feel the need to talk about that. It's a team game, which I think is, you know, a lot of people defending him because, you know, you say, oh, well, he doesn't talk about himself while he's playing good either. I get that. I know that this is very much in the character of Shea Weber, but I also think 
when you get paid $7.8 million to go out there and play the minutes that he does when you're expected to kind of produce, especially when you play for the Montreal Canadiens, especially when you're their captain. Now, I'm not saying he needs to go out there and totally tear himself apart, but when you're the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, you have to take some of the blame. You have to shoulder it. You just have to. Because you know what? Even if it's not your fault, we saw Patch already do it all the time. Patch, it, it was never Patch already's fault in Montreal. It really wasn't. But he would shoulder the blame. <laughs> and I think that made him a good leader. Uh, in this case, you know what, Weber? A lot of it is your fault. And, you know, I've had, you know, we have our issues with him on this podcast, but he can still play the game. I just don't think. I think he's toxic for this organization in the direction we're heading, but you got it. You got still got to shoulder some of that blame because you know what you get, he gets beat, you know, he doesn't play well. He's playing awfully. He's a black hole offensively and defensively. He's not making as much of an impact as he should to make up for those offensive woes. So I think it's, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit cowardly or maybe just poor leadership, and then they went on to ask Druen how about him not scoring. And don't get me wrong, the media is asking these, uh, what would it be, provocative questions? Aggressive questions. Yeah, they're trying to provoke the players. You're going to get an, an aggressive response. And Druen's was, he. I forget what he said. He said, there's a column on the right for you there or something. And, you know, I think what we're seeing is, Ducharme punishing him for that outburst and we're seeing Weber, you know, sitting there. And I think it, it's really minor and there's a lot of speculation here, but I think it just summarizes what's been wrong with this organization this year. The old veteran overpaid <laughs> player who's not producing gets the pass when he's the one who's supposed to, you know, it's his role. He's the one to shoulder the blame. He gets the pass mm-hmm. and the young, you know, offensive fun interesting great player to watch gets buried on the fourth for his little outburst and you know i just can't think of a more habs thing and i'm not saying drew you know is right in his outburst i think i would have probably reacted the same way i think the question was just he has tools this year in 40 something games He's got four goals since sometime last season. He's got to produce and he's got to score more as our highest paid forward. But how is he going to do that buried on the fourth line? Very true. Uh, I mean, I, I, can, I can agree with it. I don't – It's it sounds more reasonable than trying to put my head around that Ducharme sees Eric Stahl score feels like – uh, Corey Perry can score, so maybe we bring down Jonathan Drewan to help with that. I, I just that doesn't seem as feasible as someone. Hey, you didn't speak to the the press professionally, so we're going to use you as an example. And uh, for this team, we haven't really uh, we haven't really been. It hasn't been kind to us when it comes to. Uh, goal scored lately so i mean i think that puts us even at more of a disadvantage to not have him with prime real estate yeah and 
talking about goal scoring, I think it's a good way to kind of transition. We've certainly struggled in that department this year. Um, just with a simple stat, I think last game they said 48% of our goals have come from three players to Foley, Gallagher, and Anderson. Mm-hmm. That's <clears throat> that's upsetting. You know, that's there's an issue there. Um, I think, too, a lot of the focus has been put onto our forwards, rightfully so. They need to produce more. They need to score more. But our back end needs to do a better job, too, because – you know, we talk at the start of the season, you know, we talked about the trident coming out of the lockout. The trident awesome. is now a pike and it's it's uh, Jeff Petrie. Like, yeah. We just fucking shave down two sides of it. <laughs> and even that pike has looked a little dull. A bit lately. dull. <laughs> and, you know, Petrie hasn't scored in 16 games. I give Petrie a bit of a pass because he got his defensive partner stolen from him. And yeah, he's just and peak around. performance. Like, but at the same time, he does need to perform better. Um, Petrie was one of the leaders in plus minus this season, and he's down to plus four on the year. It's a fall from grace to say the least. But you know, I will say I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway because I feel like getting... that falls down into uh, like just poor, like that's poor judgment to move. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so stupid. Like I don't even put yeah. that. I, there, there's Saw some partners around. There's some fault, but at the same time, like how can you be upset that he loses his rhythm when you take what makes his rhythm possible away from him? Exactly. Don't mess with a good line. That's fucking. I think a lot of it comes down to coaching, but a lot of it does come down to the players and they do need to perform better. But I like, like I'm saying, I'm not giving everyone a pass here. I just think that, you know, it's hard because we see with KK, when you get juggled around with line mates like that, especially your D partner, it's hard to perform consistently when you're not sure who you're playing with. I think it's poor decision-making right now too. Um, I believe we're still two games up on the Oilers series, but, you know, after, I mean, we haven't, we scored one goal in, in two games. Um, I don't know about moving, you know, Drew Ann down and um, like, and KK in between what you say is, you know, like he doesn't have any wingers that are going to help him. I don't think that's the best. We're not giving ourselves the best opportunity going into this game when they can easily, you know, start to, turn the tides on this series against them. Uh, but one thing it's, I haven't seen today's like final, you know, roster update, but uh, apparently John Merrill will be playing alongside uh, Romanoff today. I don't know yeah, if you John, said that earlier. John Merrill's making his debut. Um, but that's like a positive to it. Cause I can, a positive the only take I can, I can take away from is just that uh, we've been terrible defensively. So what better time to bring in John Merrill who can't do anything but be the best defensive player? Yeah, a positive, I think, for sure, but also a bit of a negative because you're taking out a guy in Brett Kulak who hasn't been bad. No, has been analytically our best defenseman this season. Plus seven, too. You know, plus minus and analytics often don't agree. Here they are. Team, you know, he's above average on the team for plus minus. Doesn't have a lot of penalty minutes. 
has played big minutes, can play on any pairing. Um, I think he's just played well this year. And I don't know if punishing him is, you know, I get why he was scratched. And I'll explain well, let, that. Let's put, it, let's put it this way. It's the Montreal Canadiens. The real person who's supposed to be scratched just answered a question the other day and got didn't even get a slap on the wrist for it. Kulak is the odd man out because of his tenure, I guess. I think you can even make the argument that Sherratt should get benched because he has okay, not I can ready agree to with play. that. Yeah, he's not. He, he we talk about to play we talk about played. we talk about Petrie getting walked by McDavid. Anyone can get walked by McDavid, yeah. but Sherratt was you know everyone focuses. Sherratt was square to him. <laughs> like <laughs> he didn't move, and I just think that what that decision was made purely based on who Ducharme and Bergevin agreed would get the least amount of backlash for benching. Hey. Because if you bench Sherratt, you know one of them, you get more backlash. I think it's yeah, but I, but you you're putting. Stupid. I get the captaincy comes with that, like, poise and shit like that. But, like, you're basically putting Weber in a pedestal when Weber's play isn't worthy of the pedestal. No. And because of that, I mean, it's just it's just been fucking madness. Like, we, we're so Shea Weber crazy right now, we won't even move him from the first line. Yeah. Like, we it's... want him to sit a game. And we can't even get him off the first line. We can't get them to share his minutes with someone who's been playing pretty outstanding with Alex Romanoff. You're not wrong. Um, I do want to kind of backtrack a little bit. And I want to go back to Druin. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Druin, you know, on the fourth line. I think it's for one game. Like I said, I think it's a punishment thing. If it's for one game, it'll it'll feel more like a punishment. Like the you know sorry, I, I think that not only is it unjust, I think it's gonna be ineffective because <laughs> I think it's leads, gonna be uh, costly, like yeah, he leads our team in assists. He has twenty one assists. Um the next closest forward is Nick Suzuki with nineteen. Not now if he had 10 goals on the year, he would be tied for the team lead in points. He has two. So put that into perspective. This guy's slumping. Drew N is too good to have two goals. And you're not helping his confidence by putting him on the fourth line. You're just not. I thought that was a crazy step. I didn't realize how many assists he had. And I think it's a testament to how well he's really, really how well he's played this year. Mm-hmm. And his vision and the plays he creates, he's the only guy that can consistently, him and Petrie, bring the puck past the blue line into the offensive zone, especially on the power plays. The only guy that can do it consistently or just has seemed to be able to. And I don't know, like I said, I just think it's going to be detrimental to us tonight. Another interesting stat that I think some of our listeners are going to be surprised to hear but I, I was at first caught off guard. But then I kind of thinking back, I realized I do. I did think I've seen this guy hit a lot more this season. I just didn't know it was to this extent. Um, we all know uh, Romanov still leads our team in hits, 114 on the year. Can you tell me who's second on our team though? 
Um, I want to say Suzuki. Paul Byron. Paul Byron. 101 hits. Definitely trying to make a difference in different ways to stay on this team. Like definitely and like i said i have noticed you know what i've seen him hit a lot more this season i thought it was an interesting stat i thought for sure josh anderson would have been second he's up there he's got only two hits behind i just thought it was an interesting stat but yeah i just i think we've talked to this true end point into the ground unless you have anything else to add to it no okay so moving on to some kind of nhl news uh robin laner went on a uh, kind of a 10 minute tangent today with the media talking about, obviously if you're unaware, uh, which I don't think many people would be Laner won the bill Masterton a few years ago uh, for coming back with his struggles with mental health. He's a big advocate for it. You know, he's very open about his own battles with it. And once again, he was talking about that and he was talking about the NHL and how, you know, he said, you know, you guys, I think referring to the media and the fans, you, you might not know, but we're totally isolated. We can't leave our house. We can't leave our hotel rooms. We're just going to the rink. And right now I'm living in, I'm living in a lockdown in Ontario. And like, I get to leave my house more than that. Right. So I can only imagine how tough that is. And you know, he, the way he's explaining it, it's been a year and a half for them or close to of just that. And he went on to say, look, the NHL said, we get vaccinated, um, you know, we'll be able to loosen some restrictions that he said they pulled out, you know, what the NBA's done, I guess their players are, have a little more freedom and, you know, the MLB and I think the NFL and basically said, look, like we, if you guys get vaccinated, if there's enough of you, you'll get to kind of live your life. And I guess the way he described it was, a lot of guys were hesitant like himself, but he thought of his mental health. He thought about how isolation was killing him. And he made the decision to say, okay, yeah, I'll get that vaccine. Um, and then, you know, I guess the NHL had second thoughts is the way he described it. He just got off a phone call with them the other day and they said, no, uh, we're not going to do that. It's a competitive advantage. And you could see that Robin Lehner was visibly upset he, the big statement for me that just showed me how much he cares about this was base, he said that I don't care what this means for me. I don't care what they do to me. I think referring to the NHL, um, you know, being blackballed or whatever by other teams for speaking out. And he just went on and he spoke his mind. Um, it's just, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you look it up. You can find the whole 10 minutes on YouTube. Even then, I'm sure you can find some clips. Uh, I thought it was really powerful what he was saying. And regardless of what's going on, you know, there have been some mixed reports on what the NHL told the players. Clearly, he felt deceived. And I, you know, I give him big praise for speaking out. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And uh, there's a lot of passion in it. So I think that that whether you agree or disagree with the statement, I mean, I don't really see people disagreeing with it, but like his passion alone, like really dug deep in it. It drove his, his topic to point that they're, they're sitting, they're sitting isolated. Um, and there's a lot of people that are suffering from it uh, that are playing the game. And, and just imagine the people that went deep into the bubble last year to just have a few weeks, you know, break and then, and then go straight back into it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, t it's a tough look for the NA the NHL when um, 
when apparently you tell your, you know, you put a, uh, how did he put it about about having the whole the entire league um, has to get vaccinated all at once, but some of them have already been vaccinated. How do you put it? Uh, someone having kept, the advantage. He kept saying that the NHL was prioritizing competitive advantage That's over right. people. Mm-hmm. He kept saying people, humans. He said we're humans. We're not just hockey players. And do I understand what the NHL is saying? Yes, one hundred percent. We're seeing outbreaks in teams all the time. Like, it's seeming common. Colorado's had another scare. We saw what happened in Vancouver. Obviously, I'm a big advocator of just stay the fuck home. Like, don't leave. But not being able to see your family, like, it it has affected all of us. And I can only imagine for them the super isolation they've gone through. Must be just that much harder, right? Everyone says, oh, well, they make millions of dollars. Who? what's the difference when you're sitting at home? Right. Would you rather sit at home in a fucking $200,000 bungalow in the suburbs or whatever? You know what I mean? With your family. Or would you rather sit in a fucking huge mansion all alone? It it makes no difference. You know what I mean? A lot of these guys don't live in those. They live in apartments. They're staying in hotels. Like I just, I think it's, you know, a big reminder that, you know what, these guys that we put on pedestals, we ask these tough questions to like Juan and Weber, um, they're people, you know, they're, they're not, <laughs> they're just like us. They just happen to be very talented at hockey. And I want to give Laner credit. He did say he credits the NHL with what they do, with what they have done. And he's not trying to bring them down. He just, he saw something that he felt was wrong and he spoke out about it. And I, I agree with him. Um, they hold the players to such a high standard. The the players should be able to hold them to a high standard of exactly. following through with what, what needs to be done. So um, I don't think there's really been a time. I haven't been a hundred percent on board with uh, Robin Leonard, except for like, I think the 2016 election, but like that was, you know, that was a long time ago, but uh, he's, He's definitely been one of those impactful uh, players as far as like trying to change the game for a better. So uh, this is just another moment where he's not afraid to speak his mind. And I think that comes with, you know, just someone being able to overcome uh, tough times in their lives, especially in a game that literally engulfs your life and, and you really don't have anything outside of the media. So kudos to him for standing up for him, not only himself, but, the entire league, you know, not just his team um, to try to make a change. Yeah, for sure. And I think if, if we do see, <clears throat> sorry, a Robin Lehner get blackballed or blacklisted. This, this is the type of thing. I'm not going to lie. When I first, when you first so, sent it to me, this is so NHL is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Um, when you first sent it to me and I was like, I, I like Robin Leonard. So I don't, and I think he's still very impactful. So I don't, I don't think his, his job's gone, but, um, he is like just like a couple of shaving shy of like one of those like where you could see a monopolized uh, sport try to take a man out of it, you know, for, for speaking out loud, you know, well, like I think, WHA era type shit. Turkey, please. Jesus Christ. I think this episode kind of has that theme, right? The NHL is probably the worst league at marketing their superstars, marketing their players. The NHL pretends to like big personalities 
in the weird way that they, you know, the media gives guys like Subban lots of credit. Yeah, they like them as numbers. The NHL hates guys with personality. And you see it in their interviews, the way they have all been coached. NHL period, like intermission, sorry, post-game, pre-game interviews are so fucking boring. They're all the same. (laughs) And it's because it's this culture of not having a personality, which to an extent I like because this game is kind of drenched in tradition, right? You got to have some class. I like that about the NHL. I like that in the NHL, you know, you got to show up to the game in a suit. You're not Russell Westbrook showing up in like $5,000 fucking pants that look like, you know, someone spray paint. You know what I'm saying, right? But I also think when guys like Robin Lehner who are vocal and bring awareness to things, you know, obviously this is not a positive thing, but, you know, he's a good interview. He's fun. Guys like Drew Ann come out there, you know, they're showing passion. They're like, you know what? Fuck off. Leave me alone. Let me play my game kind of thing. The NHL shuns that. And I think if we see Laner get blacklisted, blackballed for this, I think it's just the most typical NHL thing. And it's why this league is still years behind the NBA and the NFL in terms of just marketing, in terms of what kind of profit they're making, and in terms of international reach, because they do not market their superstars well enough. Oh, you're right. Uh, it, it's definitely like, it's definitely something you can easily say if someone's like, how come like, like I got friends that I'm like introducing to the NHL and they're, they like love the game and, but they asked a, a very normal question is like, why isn't it marketed uh, as, as big as other sports? And I think they just, like you're saying, they like really drop the ball. They don't want flashiness of players. They, they just want it to be kind of that old man's game, which I don't have a problem with, but we're shying away from like the heavy hitting, the high fighting, oh, like, the old style of game, you know, to the point to where it's like, okay, so you hold certain traditions true to others. Whereas like you want to grow this brand, this, this entire league and where we've, you know, losing ESPN and shit like that, like definitely put, put us in a bind, but there's no real progression to this make us a, more this is a league and, and, and new. This is a league that failed to market Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin throughout their entire primes. And they yeah. played together. There was a huge natural rivalry. They both play it off like it wasn't a big thing. It was a huge thing. They no, it was fucking showed up to play each other too. They would remember the hat trick game. They each scored hat tricks. Like, and somehow the NHL failed to market that. They they're failing to market Connor McDavid. Realistically, like put it this way. Like, I'm such an avid hockey fan, but until I started working in the bars, like, you know, in my early 20s, that's when I was actually able to watch hockey again because it was taken off of ESPN. So that meant, you know, out-of-market areas really could not find it. I wasn't uh, internet savvy. I didn't know how to stream games. So, like... I, I don't even mean so much with TV at- rights, though. I mean, like, no, I get what you're saying. Like, how do you not market your superstars? Everyone who knows anything about sports, for example, has heard of LeBron James. Everyone knows who Tom Brady is, and not even like the 
you know who Odell Beckham Jr. is? Just because, you know, maybe that one catch, but he, it was marketed. He was, he's I a big, in the Bayou State. Yeah. And well, he's from Louisiana, went to LSU. You would know about him. But I'm saying up here in Canada, everyone knows who Odell is, regardless of if you watch football, because he's a big personality and they marketed him. Same with even like tennis. Everyone knows who Roger Federer is. Right. But if you ask your just everyday sports fan who Connor McDavid is in the U.S., I bet you a lot of them can't fucking tell you. Right. Uh, I guess the point I was making is like, yeah, you can ask the same thing about Sidney Crosby and Ovi, you know, 10 years ago or, you know, within this last decade. And they could tell you exactly who they are. But unlike Federer or any any other type of sport, we've all at least could have seen them on television. I'm talking from just the South. You didn't see shit. Like, yeah, I know who Alex Ovechkin was, but never saw that game. Never saw the the, the double hat trick game. I had to watch that on YouTube. You know, I had to find that. And I think that's a fucking shame because I don't give a fuck about tennis, but I've seen Federer and, you know, uh, the, the Williams sisters. I've seen all of them because it was constantly thrown in our face. But yet hockey was so f- fucking behind in the times. Like to keep up with a sport that I loved was like, it was tasking. I've read more books about hockey than I got to watch hockey, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. And I think too, like we've kind of gotten a little off track here. So maybe we'll bring it back to the Habs a little bit. I think you can even look at franchises themselves. We what Montreal is doing now. Um, we talked about it before. I'm not going to beat it into the ground anymore. Caulfield's number, right? How are you failing? To, you're failing to market him by not allowing him to just fucking choose, let him choose the number. It's not that hard. It's not, it's, you're not giving him too much. Like, fuck, what does this kid have to prove? Does he have to earn it? Right. Like, it's, well, just, they probably, they're probably, they're probably fucking old. And they're like, look at this hip kid who's got a name that's super marketable and everybody's looking at him like he's going to be a big superstar. He's been a superstar at every platform. We're going to tone him down. We're going to yeah, show it's... him that he's got to earn his spot here. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. We kind of need him like super bad right and now. And the point, the point I'm getting to there is just play the kid. What do you like? We've, we said it last, last week. What do you got to lose? Just play the kid. Just play. Cause if you're going to roll out KK with like, you know, if you're saying, okay, no, we want to take it seriously. We think that, you know what, we can make a push for the playoffs here. Uh, we want to take it serious. We want to basically go out there and kind of prove, you know, play the best lineup, play who we think is going to give us the best chance to win, right? If you tell me that, I'm going to disagree with you because I think Caulfield does give you the best chance, but it's whatever. You know what? That's your prerogative. You're the well, GM, you're the coach. If you're not going to play but if you're – sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But if you're then going to say that and play Lekkanen and Byron with Kakanyemi and Drewen on the fourth line and continually play Weber the way you have, I think you're brain dead. Like, you're fucking stupid. You're not trying to play for win. You're putting one of your best players on the fourth line to prove a fucking point. And you're hamstringing your best center prospect. You're good young guy. You're hamstringing him. So why not play Caulfield at that point? If you have him sitting where he could be playing some of the most aggressive 
fun new style of hockey with Laval right now, I think you're fucking just peanut stupid. Like Did he's, you, he's he's practicing and watching games in a suit, whereas he could be in Laval playing a very fun, aggressive, you know, in a in a great atmosphere to to grow. Whether he's beyond it or not, he would at least be playing the fucking game. Did you see that practice video of him and KK doing the two-on-ones? No, I did not. Fucking. But I'm sure you'll fucking find it. KK laces him a pass. It's a two-on-one mm-hmm. from the net. And Caulfield lets off just a laser release, right? And Primo's defending it. And Primo comes in just the fucking, like, greatest save, practice save you'll ever see. And... You know, fuck it. Like, Caulfield didn't score, but first, gorgeous shot. Like, like I said, great, like, just phenomenal save. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wow, that's the future, right? Like, that just gets me excited. We're, two of them are not going to see the ice this year. <laughs> you know it's I mean? pathetic. It's, it's they, they, pathetic. Get my, they get my hopes up like that. And KK has his arm around Caulfield, just like Mete. They're about the same height. Mm-hmm. Just getting my hopes up, teasing me, and then fucking pulling it away. Just brutal. But, I think it's fucking silly. I think it's beyond silly to have this kid. His only ice time is to fucking do laps and fucking just do basic training bad, with with bag skate with the big boys. Oh man, yeah, he's learning. He's learning. He's getting comfortable with the team, so that when he can play whenever, you know, there's no there's no awkwardness. So let him go play in fucking Laval and just fucking boost them. At least the kid gets his reps. He gets to play. He gets to, you know, keep his – all we're doing is cooling him off. He's literally shooting at an empty net. You know, he's shooting at minimum scoring chances. His, all, all the high scoring chances could be in Laval if you're not going to play him, you know. Yeah. Just dumb. Um, before – and we'll wrap it up here because we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Um, Poor kid's playing on his fucking phone at games, dude. You know when you could tell that someone's just fucking bored? If they if they have to keep a fucking mask on and then they pan over to him and their nose is kind of sticking out. Like, dude, just fucking <laughs> done. He's done sitting. He's like, fuck, dude. I could, I, could, I, I could be not wearing a mask and fucking killing it in the fucking AHL right now. Instead, I'm half masking it, playing on my fucking phone. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating, but I kind of want to do the last subject before we move on. Very minor. Um, I want to know your predictions for John Merrill and Romanov tonight. Uh, how do you think they're going to play? Personally, I think we're going to see a lot of offense from Romanov. I think we're going to see a goal or an assist. I'm, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling Romanov's looked good. He's been jumping into the play lately. I think Merrill is just... He is what he is. He's an elite defensive player with fucking no offensive ability. Um, I think Romanov's going to, you know, take advantage of that. I think he's a good partner for Romanov, really do. And I think he's going to – I don't know. I, what, the over-under for Romanov getting a point tonight might not be that high, but I'm going to fucking take it tonight. I think, uh, <laughs> I think they're going to play really well together, and I think – we're about to see Romanov take a hell of a lot more offensive chances. At the same time, I think Romanov is going to get that much more aggressive 
And I think his hit totals are maybe not double, but there's going to be a spike in him being alongside, you know, Mr. Fucking fence sitter, you know, Mr. Blue line fucking. This is, this is like the junior version of like Jeff Petrie. Like if it, if, if, if they mesh together that well, it's Romanoff has one goal in the season, but doesn't shy away from taking that offensive chance. I remember I asked, um, Early in the season, I said, I just wish he would shoot more. Uh, he's done a little bit better at that, but, like, he's definitely not afraid anymore. Like, he's not just past, past everything. If he sees an availability, he'll take a shot. He's not worried about, you know, if he was in the wrong in that moment. He's more comfortable, and I think this is, I think this is a great testament to him, especially for his play, because he's really – he's deserved alongside Jeff Petrie to have, a, like, a really dominant person come and stay on his line with him. Yeah, definitely. So, and uh, <clears throat> just to kind of, because I kind of want to wrap things up here. You kind of want to wrap it up. You to wrap it up. Uh, I think we've gone on for a while. I think that's probably <laughs> gonna be it. Um, like I said, I would definitely take that over under on Rome not getting a point tonight. I might be losing money. We'll see. But I'm excited to see if the Habs are gonna make any sort of run this year. It's got to be pushed back tonight. After the, I think if you get you allow yourself to lay down and get beat the way they did blow the lead and then someone's you just someone's hit. fucking catching waivers or getting shipped out uh to i just cold coffee <laughs> oh i just think that this team is finished they they'll have no bite no soul if they allow themselves to get bullied the way they have uh, once again but like i said that'll be it for today um hopefully you know next week we're talking about a big habs win Thursday night against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's been great talking, Corey. We actually haven't um, we haven't talked since the last episode. This is the first time kind of getting back together. Yeah, because um, it was your birthday, and you fucking probably probably went nuts and took. Days I went of on recovery. a great big fucking heater on uh, Sunday by mm-hmm. myself. Nice. Super happy. Got to hit the nice. LCBO nice. for the first time. You are an adult now. Welcome to adult drinking. <laughs> Solo uh, dolo. Going through the LCBO with like your arms filled with alcohol and just being judged by the cashier because it's she knows it's all for myself. It was honestly a very crowning moment in my life. I think yeah. I'll remember it. Were you like, yeah. were you kind of being a bit petty? Like trying to make it like look just 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 overdoing it to where you're like i hope she fucking cards me like when no, you're being like did, that that new era me. yeah because you guys well, probably that, have like guide guidelines and shit but like i mean like let's be honest I have, we've all I have underage my, drank yeah i have my liquor license and yeah fuck you gotta card everybody unless they're 80 you fucking card them nice growing up i don't know if that's that's beyond your what they did for y'all but like we were getting away with shit very early and like when you got that card you were finally like let's just go and looked absolutely fucking ridiculous in a store to finally first time pull out that card like i might have spent <laughs> well, like i think i think two hundred dollars like <laughs> everyone had that one fucking corner store gas station oh yeah i had a mustache and fucking yeah little bit of facial hair and you knew they weren't gonna fucking card you they didn't give a shit yeah. everyone I, everyone had a spot i was the fucking middleman i was collecting five dollars it was it was like a traveler's fee i was making money <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know um 
obviously not how I envisioned my 19th birthday. Not in lockdown, but it was all right. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have we'll get to have some big sends in the summer. There you go, uh, bud. Maybe, maybe a Stanley Cup parade for the Habs. <laughs> <laughs> we're past January. Yeah, I, I'm kind of kind of beyond those hopes. But yeah, anyway, we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, come some follow up notes. Uh, I think we're still having that drafting Kings contest for the jersey, if I'm not mistaken, Corey. Should be correct. Um, yeah, if you uh, follow and retweet on at Habs Nightly, you get a chance to win a Habs jersey. Uh, I like free shit. I think Corey likes free shit. I think we all like free shit. And, uh, you know, just a simple retweet. You're giving us more exposure. You're entering your name into a Habs jersey contest. Like, why wouldn't you want a Habs jersey? They're like 300-something dollars. It's ridiculous. Yeah, imagine, imagine if, it, if it goes on and you finally – they finally sign Cole Caulfield – so then his his number and you know backplate becomes available. Can yeah, get a maybe free Cole Caulfield jersey. Maybe you'll get I'm a, upset about. Cole, a Cole Caulfield number twenty two that you'll get to proudly wear for fifteen games until he changes his number to thirteen next year. But you know and, what? Then it becomes a fucking like, oh, this is a rarity. Like that fucking Laval one's gonna be. You could make a profit, re- resell it in ten years for like. 500 bucks on some jersey site there you go anyway simple (laughs) would be phenomenal we'd love to hear your guys feedback on the episodes uh we've been slacking posting them but as of now we're gonna start posting the links a little more frequently and yeah just like to say love the feedback if you got anything to say tweet us at haps nightly or at the bayou benders on twitter and if that's all we have left to say from you, Corey. That'll be it today. Shout out Jason Beck. Thanks, Shawty. See y'all later. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. interesting like i like pinto and i i remember everyone like and this is the thing that i think sense fans need to start realizing we need to stop looking at the draft we really need to stop looking at a player being like he was drafted way too early you know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late mark stone sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars pajot drafted i think in the fifth round and making five million hoffman Welcome to the Sense Hour Podcast, your number one source for Sense content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care.